Welcome to the podcast of St. Basil the Great Catholic Church in Brecksville, Ohio, with homilies, talks, and interviews relevant to your Catholic faith. God bless you, and enjoy. Well, hello, and welcome to St. Basil Catholic Church Parish Podcast. I'm Tommy Dome, the Director of Evangelization, and today I have a little conversation with a good friend of mine. The topic is how to watch movies and TV like a Catholic. Here with Taylor Gosiaco. That's me. That was a great introduction. <laughs> that is all I will give you. <laughs> yeah, you. Uh, is there anything else you want to say about yourself? Yeah, so I, my name is Taylor Gosiaco. I am the uh, youth minister at Sacred Heart of Jesus Parish in Wadsworth. Here to join Tommy here as we talk about movies and yeah. TV. Well, before we get into it, be sure to stay tuned to the end where we are going to give some very good practical tips, five tips on making you a better TV watcher who will safeguard your soul even while you consume media. So those will be at the end, five practical tips. I bet that nobody lying on their deathbed ever says, boy, I wish I had spent more of my life watching tv and if they did they probably, they probably said that alone to an empty hospital room <laughs> that would be doubly sad they had nothing else going on so my question to you is should a christian watch any tv to me yeah absolutely i think tv is super important honestly i think it's something that kind of gives people a pulse on the culture or on the vernacular of the time as it is. And we can see that easily through how TV and movies have changed over time, you know, and kind of the appetite that people have for it. When it was first introduced, it was kind of this big wonder, you know, and that we had people trying out all different types of programs and just consuming them. So we had, you know, just this idea of characters each week, there's like this new story and it's really exciting. And then, you know, as people became more discerning and they said, I'm going to pick one or two shows I'm going to follow, you know, the narratives kind of became longer. They became something where you know, people became more invested in what was going on. And so it speaks to kind of what where culture is at. And I think that it's something as a Catholic, if we're going to evangelize the culture, if we're going to understand culture and in some way understand how the world is being shown to us through the lens of culture, it's important to consume it, not indiscriminately. What do you mean by not indiscriminately? I wouldn't say don't watch every, anything and everything. Yeah, falling asleep to TV, I don't think is a good way to go about it. You know, just having the TV on in your room and then just be like, I'm going to keep this on until I'm not conscious anymore. Right. There's a difference between having culture be something that influences us and having culture being something that controls or dictates in some way our actions or our perceptions of the people around us and how we should interact with them. It's a, It's a temptation, I think, to instead of spending that time between when we are done kind of like with the entertainment element of our evening. And then, you know, as we transition into before we go to bed, that should be a time to kind of reflect and examine our day, you know, and if all we're doing is consuming content through the entirety of our day, up until the point where we fall asleep, we're missing out on the opportunity to examine and kind of look at God's hand in our lives for one. Um, and also just to kind of see how we interacted with others and how maybe we were God's hand to people around us. I think it's an important time just to not have technology or entertainment right in front of us. Mm -hmm. There was a priest when I was in the seminary and he gave a homily once and he said, be careful what music you listen to because music is your spiritual direction. 
And he was making the point that we have to be careful what we put in our heads because the thing about the arts is the arts have a way of getting past the guardian of our reason and intellect. And they sort of slip in the back and they can influence our worldviews and our opinions on certain topics because music and art just has a way of getting to us that a rational argument doesn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that. My opinion would be that anytime there's an artist who's saying something, either whether it's through a painting or whether it's through music or movies, they're trying to make sense of their human experience, right? Or even to the point of saying like they're trying to make sense of the divine. And when we're having that kind of a conversation, yeah, it can kind of change the way we see things for sure. So what are some principles that you use when you're trying to decide, is this good for me or not? Is this worth watching? Is this good for my soul as a husband, as a father, as a Catholic? Um, I would think, first of all, it would be like the setting. You know, if I'm watching something with my wife or with other people, I think I can kind of be a bit more lax about what the content is. Like, say, for instance, if it's a game show of some sort, it's something to do, you know, I don't have to pay attention to it. I don't have to be so invested in, you know, American Ninja Warrior that I'd be like, hey, family, you need to be quiet. Like, we need to see whether Claire is going to make it through <laughs> to stage two. <laughs> to stage two. <laughs> She's going to climb that wall. You know, we can have a conversation and we can joke around. We can comment on other people. And it's a time almost to kind of project our day and our life kind of just like with that kind of as a backdrop. You know, it's not something that is just utter silence, you know. An example would that be like the game or the game show Battle Bots. It's like these robots that fight each other. I kind of have coaxed my kids into watching that to get them to be more interested in like STEM stuff. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, science. math and engineering. Yeah. And yeah. like, you know, you guys could build these when you grow up, you know, and it's, it's a way to just obviously be entertained and we do that together, you know. So the entertainment piece is something that I kind of lean towards when it's with other people. If I'm watching something with either just my wife and I or just like us people who I anticipate we would discuss it later, we kind of dive more into those narrative heavy things, a a TV drama or a movie that has a lot of things to discuss or is like, you know, kind of a deep movie. It's almost like, again, kind of of like food too, right? If you're you're at a party, I mean, you're going to eat small plates, you know, just like little munchy type foods that's kind of disposable, you know. But if you're going to sit down and have like a date night, you're going to want something more substantial that you can kind of chew on Hmm. and reflect on, I think, too. Now, we have heard as a refrain for decades now, There's too much sex and violence on TV. I think we can look at the sex part and say, yes, absolutely. But the thing about violence is, you know, I kind of want my kids to see good defeating evil. Mm -hmm. Not in some crazy, gory way, but, I mean, the whole spiritual life is a fight against evil. And we are good. God defeats the devil. And even on earth, we are fallen human beings And some people are very evil, and we need to resist them. And every once in a while, unfortunately, that comes to using force. So I don't think that all violence is bad on TV. But then it comes to sex, and it's just like, why why is some of this stuff even necessary to further a plot? It just seems so gratuitous and unnecessary and just maybe there to just try and pull in viewers. Oh, absolutely. And there's like total cases in which that's been, has been present. Take the movie, let's see, like Top Gun, for instance, right? So 
80s flick, Tom Cruise, beach volleyball, <laughs> and you know, little Kenny Loggins. Exactly. So mm-hmm. we've we've got this idea, like this macho man film. You know, that guys gonna be like, "Babe, you got to come with me to the theater. It's gonna be amazing." Tom Cruise is in it. You know, he's at the height of his sex appeal, right? And so when they initially filmed this movie. Test screenings for the men were like, this is the best movie of all time, right? <laughs> Fighting in, 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 in jets, you know, taking down the MiGs, you know, the Russians. It, but it screened horribly for women because uh, they had found that there were no, like, sex scenes in it. There were no opportunities to see, like, the love story between, you know, the couple with love interest, physical manifestation of their their love for each other. And so mm-hmm. what they actually did is they reshot and they went and, and filmed them again having, like, the sex scene. And she had already changed the color of her hair for like her next project <laughs> so they had to make like this kind of low lighting thing so no one could tell but uh, that was all to bring viewership and yeah like so i think the sex piece it's like yeah this isn't driving the narrative like we already filmed the movie but we kind of have to insert this thing to kind of appease the viewership and to get people interested in it i don't know when it happened or when it started and, and maybe i'm thinking more along the lines of video games, but there's been movies too where it used to be you rooted for the good guy to beat the bad guy. And then we had more and more characters where you sort of root for the bad guy or you have like an anti-hero or you're mm-hmm. sort of rooting for the villain or there is no good guy because everybody's compromised and you end up just rooting for the person who has a funnier lines mm-hmm. or a better personality or something. And in video games, too, I remember when I was in college, there was a video game called Counter-Strike. And you could choose to be the counter-terrorists, or you could play as the terrorists. Mm-hmm. So you would go and plant the bomb, or you would go and try and find and defuse the bomb. And then Grand Theft Auto came out, which is just like, be the worst guy that you could possibly be. Stealing cars, killing people, just mm-hmm. robbing prostitutes, killing... I mean, terrible, terrible stuff. It's, it's crazy now because you don't know who to point out to your kids as, you know, yeah. who's the exemplar here. We see more of this move towards antiheroes because, hey, we can relate to this guy because he's flawed. And if he's flawed and we can mm. cheer for him, then we can kind of root for him. And when we root for him, we rationalize the decisions he makes. You know, we say that this guy, what he's doing is good and it's okay because it's, it's what I would do. So we look at the antihero and the good that they do outweighing the bad that they do. Mm-hmm. And we rationalize that as a secret way of rationalizing mm-hmm. our own shortcomings. At the end of it, I'm who's in charge. Like, I'm creating my own destiny. Whatever works for you, however I need to accomplish it. I remember when one of the recent James Bond movies came out with Daniel Craig. I was reading an article that said there was an intentional decision that they would not have James Bond smoke anymore. He would not be pictured in the film smoking cigarettes or pipe or cigar or anything. He would still drink. He would still steal stuff. He would still hook up with ladies. He would still kill people. But he wouldn't smoke any tobacco product. <laughs> and it was just like, wow. It was just a, such a such a defining moment for me as to what these folks really think is important and where their values lie. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Finish the sentence. A quality movie will blank. I think it would teach us what life would look like if we were to try to live without God for a moment. You know what I mean? If we were to abandon God's love for us, say like, you know, I don't need you, God. I'm going to live on my own. 
we would have kind of that first moment that stands between the prodigal son saying, I want my inheritance before <laughs> all goes wrong and all goes south. That kind of feeling like, hey, if I live without God, it may look really cool. And like these antiheroes feel like they're succeeding. But ultimately, you know, how are they meant to pay for their actions? Let's get to some real practical tips. If we start from zero and imagine that you watch zero TV and movies, okay, mm -hmm. maybe that's a good place to start. And then get to a point where we are justifying the TV and movies that we watch. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because TV can just become sort of a default, like, this is what I do in the evening. Mm -hmm. Or this is the thing that I turn on when I get home, and it's always on in the background. My daughter's... They are, are six and eight years old, and they come back from other people's houses, and they're just like, so-and-so has the TV on all the time, even when they're not in the room. And I'm like, yeah, some people do that. So how would we begin to justify watching something or anything? Just to sum up. I think it has to nourish you, you know, in a way. If it's nourishing in a sense that it gives you the tools to encounter people more authentically because you have context to where they're coming from. You have an understanding more deeply as to like the struggles they have, kind of where they might have misguided views as to what the church teaches or what God's place is in our lives. I think it's an important thing to, for us to be more well-rounded as people to understand how do we approach culture and do so in a way effectively. Well, I'm not a, a huge apologist for TV. My family, we voted to put our TV in the basement in storage. And it is the only TV we have, and it sits in front of my exercise bike. And I decided that I wouldn't watch TV unless I was exercising, which means I don't watch much TV because I don't exercise. <laughs> uh, now, we also have a laptop, and that we use to, to stream a show. But since we have cut down a lot on our TV and movie watching, it's just been a good, good thing all around for myself, for my wife, for our kids. Because so many things can become a habit or become an addiction, whether it's sports or whether it's video games or whether it's smartphones or whether it's TVs and movies, and you can just waste away hours and hours and hours. And our time is our life. And that's where we get the word lifetime. Because when we run out of time, we've run out of life. Yeah. And our Lord will judge us on how we spend our words and how we spend our money and how we spend our time. So if we are going to be responsible consumers of content, here are a couple tips I came up with and Taylor came up with and a friend of mine also came up with and helped me with some of his thoughts. Thank you, Brad. Number one, don't consume a lot of media alone. Make it a relational thing, a family thing, something that you can enjoy with someone else. I think to, to add on or clarify that, don't watch TV on your phone if you're in the bathroom. <laughs> you know, if you're going to be in there for a couple of minutes, and be like, it's time for Netflix. And all of a sudden, you know, a five-minute endeavor becomes a 22-minute <laughs> endeavor. <laughs> if anyone's over the age of 25, you know what it means to go to the bathroom and just be alone with your thoughts, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that's an important time. Like, yeah, just don't, yeah, don't, don't use it as something that just keeps you from contemplating your own mortality. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I need to keep TV at the forefront of any silence that I would normally have. Otherwise, right. I would just have to think about stuff. You know? Well, one of the 
Catholic podcasts I listen to, Matt Frad, he often quotes the philosopher and mathematician Blaise Pascal, who said that all of mankind's problems stem from the fact that he is unable to sit alone with his own thoughts. Mm. All right, number two, try not to be on multiple devices at once, like scrolling through your smartphone while you're watching TV, because then you're not really present to anything or anyone or any of the narrative. Mm-hmm. Number three, ask where Christ is in this story. Who are the people in need of redemption? Who is the Christ figure in the story, hopefully bringing redemption? And help teach your kids to watch out for that person as well. And hopefully it's a real hero. I want to be better than I am so I can be like that hero. And if Christ isn't the hero on it, you know, how is this character as a supporting character being treated by the hero? I think is another interesting way to look at it too. If it's it's someone who's looked down upon or made fun of, you know, but they're showing the most Christ-like qualities, you know, what does that say about who we think our hero is in the story? Number four, how would I evangelize these characters? What are some of the sort of inroads I can make? And you can begin to piece together, you know, what sort of plan would work with this person? What sort of approach could I use to show this person that I love them, that God loves them, that God is forgiving, that God can transform us no matter what sort of rock bottom we're sitting in? This is such a fundamental exercise too. <laughs> if you always want to be like, I want to talk to, you know, this celebrity. <laughs> Picturing yourself, you know what I mean? How would you approach this person as a character? It would be kind of fun, you know? That's a way to, to really kind of break open the idea of evangelization outside of our normal, like, I'm going to talk to my Aunt Pearl, who always has something interesting to say, you know? <laughs> we can talk, of, I'm going to talk to Chris Pratt, you know what I mean? From this character, you know, this movie. <laughs> Number five should be pretty common sense, but it's worth saying, and that is if you have issues with lust, don't watch shows with naked people. Makes sense. It's pretty clear. Any last thoughts, Taylor? Yeah, I would say don't be afraid to look at TV as a means for evangelization. And I think that if we can find a way to get TV or movies, which is something that so many people consume, and make that a prayer saying, you know, how am I evangelizing to these people? How am I finding a way to reach those who feel this way when they feel lost or feel that the world has dealt them some sort of hand that, I don't know, is different than what Christ offers? I mean, let's be real. Probably all of us are probably going to keep watching TV and movies, you know? If we can find a way to make that in a prayer in some ways by asking those small questions to us, like how how is this nourishing me? How might this better equip me to evangelize the people who I sit next to at work uh, or across the dinner table from? That's, that's, that's amazing. It's a way that God can actually work through television that would normally just be for purely entertainment's sake. You know, mm-hmm. um, all goods can be purified for God's glory, right? Um, and if we can do that, that's awesome, you know? <laughs> and we got to make a plug for Formed, formed.org. You can sign up for a free account where you can watch tons of good Catholic wholesome movies and TV shows and catechetical content, good solid cartoons, kids content. If you go to basilthegreat.formed.org, 
you can sign up there and watch something that is much better than the average offering on Netflix or Hulu or whatever it is. So go to basilthegreat.formed.org. Watch a ton of movies because it'll make you a better Catholic. (laughs) Watch a lot of EWTN informed and that'll make you a better Catholic. All right. Thanks, Taylor. And God bless you and your family. Thanks so much. We hope you enjoyed this audio from our parish. You can find other homilies, talks, and interviews at our website, basilthegreat.org, or by subscribing to this podcast in your favorite app. Just search for St. Basil Catholic Church, Brexville. St. Basil the Great, pray for us.